it's Heidi Harris. Welcome to the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do these a couple of times a week. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. You can also catch me live Sunday nights in St. Louis, 97.1 FM talk during the week. I also do videos. I call them headlines with Heidi. I talk about some local issues. I'm based in Vegas, so I talk about some Vegas issues, some St. Louis issues, national issues. Whatever's going on, I keep them short because that's how you like them. And I try to talk about things that sometimes other people are maybe afraid to talk about. Dr. Kelly Victory has been one of my favorite people to talk to over the last couple of years because I am not going to stop talking about the shot. I'm not. I'm not going to stop talking about how dangerous I think it is. If you got it, that's your business, none of mine. But I'm not going to stop talking about it because I believe it's the biggest lie perpetrated on mankind in my lifetime. And we're seeing the results every single day. So Dr. Kelly Victory was kind enough to join me again on my Headlines with Heidi video cast. And of course, now I posted that audio here on the Heidi Harris Show podcast. So you can't get away from me even if you try. And if you forget everything I just said about where I am, just go to HeidiHarris.com. I always look forward to speaking with Dr. Kelly Victory, providing hashtag facts, not fear. There's a lot of stuff going on with COVID, as you've known for the last two years, but it seems like every week it's getting crazier. A lot of questions I have, and I know you do too. So Dr. Kelly Victory is here to answer them. Just to give you an idea, if you've not ever heard Dr. Kelly Victory, you're not familiar with her. She's a residency-trained trauma and emergency specialist with her 30 years of clinical experience. She's an expert in disaster preparedness and response, medical management, and mass casualties. I mean, I could read you, you know, three pages of her resume. Dr. Kelly Victory, welcome back to the Heidi Harris Show, the Heidi Headlines with Heidi thing. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Heidi. Always good to be with you. Always great. Okay, a couple of things. This week, uh, there's some crazy news. Oh, well, not just this week, the last couple of weeks. Suddenly, there's a new thing called sudden adult death syndrome that's that's coming around. Now, there are folks I've read, you know, different things on the internet. That's why you're here. You're the expert. Well, that's always been a thing. Or, or they're just trying to, uh, you know, whenever someone just drops dead for no reason, they're trying to give it a syndrome. Now, tell me the truth about sudden adult death syndrome. Yes, I love that they're trying to come up with a fancy acronym for the fact that people are all of a sudden dropping dead like right. flies right. Um, with, with no uh, real explanation. We're talking about people who were previously healthy, active people, thin people, non-smokers uh, who did not have any underlying health conditions. Now, I cannot say with certainty, since I haven't examined them or done autopsies or read autopsy reports on these individuals, what the cause is, but I can tell you we are seeing a precipitous increase uh, in the incidence of certain things, including sudden cardiac death, certainly in, in the incidence of blood clots to the lung, uh, hemorrhagic strokes, things that were previously relatively uncommon. Um, I think, as you know, we've uh, there's been a big increase, 40% increase in all death mortality amongst 18 to 49-year-olds, not the time when people are normally get sick and die of non-traumatic events. So there are 40% increase. We know that from the life insurance uh, companies who are now having to pay out on these. We yeah, also because know- they're not, well, let's just talk to you there for a second. You and I have talked about this before, but this is a big deal because these are not political companies. They're not red or blue, yes, they're green. Correct. They're writing the checks and they're yep. just putting out the stats. They're not even talking about what's happening. They're just putting out the stats yep. and, let, and talking about how, you know, they don't know if they're going to stay afloat with their rates of death. 
Absolutely. So the life insurance companies have reported on this. Medical health insurance companies have reported on this massive increase in certain conditions. As I said, heart attacks, strokes, blood clots to the lung, Bell's palsy, Guillain-Barre syndrome, weird neurologic issues. We had that huge data drop from the military database showing the same thing, 400% increase uh, in cardiac arrests. 380% increase in blood clots to the lung. I mean, things that are really alarming. And although I cannot say with certainty that these are related, for example, to the vaccines, I can tell you there is an agency in the United States whose job it is to investigate anomalies of this sort, and it's called the CDC. And rather than actually diving into this data that's being reported from multiple, as you said, apolitical, non-political agencies, private companies, you know, insurers, who it, rather than doing that, all the CDC will do is double down on the idea that, you know, vaccinate, vaccinate, vaccinate. And they have provided no explanation for why we are seeing this. And instead, they help to come up with fancy acronyms like SADS, you know, sudden adult death syndrome. Is that even a thing? Sudden no. Adult... Okay. I didn't... <laughs> no, I didn't... no, because okay. no, they, they called it SADS because, you know, drop dead without explanation is not catchy. <laughs> Yeah, and we're not laughing about any of this, but it's, you know, no, another it's thing, awful. Speak, speaking of sudden adult death syndrome, sudden infant death syndrome, I actually saw somebody on the internet the other day, don't know if it's true, say something about sudden in, in infant death syndrome and the fact that this particular person believes that that could be related to vaccines because kids are taking so many more shots before they're a year old than you and I did back in our day. Do you have any opinion on that? I, I do. There is no evidence, uh, as critical as I am of these particular COVID vaccines, there is no evidence that the well-tested uh, childhood vaccines are related to SIDS or to autism for, for that matter. SIDS, tragic, tragic thing, appears to be more related to positional asphyxia. I mean, it's mm -hmm. why, we, you know, when I was uh, growing up, we, we always put babies to bed in the crib on their bellies. Mm -hmm. um, and now we don't do that. We put them to bed on their backs um, because it was it's really believed that there's a positional asphyxia, meaning that they have difficulty breathing um, mm -hmm. and that that may be contributing really to SIDS. I haven't seen anything credible that would tie vaccines okay. to, to SIDS. Well, that's why you're here with hashtag facts, not fear. That's why that's why you get the expert in. So the other day there was a story about a doctor. I mean, there's so many stories. I'm, I'm running out of bandwidth to handle all these stories that are coming. A 19-year-old kid drops dead while do, studying, college kid, haven't heard any follow, no follow-up on any of this, by the way. Right. Doctor in LA, hiking, 53 years old, so healthy enough to hike, drops dead. Okay, obviously you've not seen him. You, you cannot say for certainty anything. But if somebody were to drop dead like that. I read about a Navy guy who literally went unconscious while driving his car in Japan, mm -hmm. crashed into two people, killed a young, healthy Navy guy. Uh, we heard about, there was a cop I read about in Dallas who dropped dead on the job the other day. You told me about a doctor who dropped dead in the, while doing an operation not too right. long ago. So if, the, if any of these were associated with the vaccine, what would cause it? Would it be a sudden blood clot? What, what, what would it be? Well, the two things that would make you lose consciousness and immediately fall to the ground dead are either a massive stroke, generally a hemorrhagic stroke, meaning not a blood clot, but rupturing a, a blood vessel. Uh, that can happen and you really are dead before you hit the ground. Or sudden cardiac arrest where the heart simply stops 
beating and therefore you do not get adequate blood flow or and therefore oxygen to the brain and you 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 die immediately um when that happens so largely with the cardiac issue if it's that i'm guessing it was a massive blood clot uh you could so there are times, you know, again, no one was around when this guy was hiking. So we don't know that he suddenly dropped to the ground. He may have had trouble breathing. He may have been having chest pain. Good point, no one right. was there. Yeah, he right. he was found. But people are saying he died suddenly. We don't know that. He may mm-hmm. have had a massive blood clot to the lung, what we call a pulmonary embolism. Um, we don't know. So until the autopsy is done, but my guess is that it's either going to be a massive blood clot to the heart a massive blood clot to the lung or a hemorrhage in his brain. All of those things we are seeing, unfortunately, uh, as side effects of the vaccines. We've seen an increase in all of these things because that spike protein uh, that is on the outside of COVID and that you are compelled to produce when you get vaccinated, that is toxic in and of itself and causes people to develop these very strange blood clots as well as different bleeding uh, issues. Interesting. Now, when it comes to these blood clots and things like that, does it depend on your general constitution, any genetic weaknesses you would have ahead of time? Or is this something we're seeing across the board? It sounds like something we're seeing across the board. Yes, we are. Uh, And there simply hasn't been adequate time to determine if there are certain people who are more prone to developing. Of course not, because we're the experiment. We're the the test group, right? That's the whole thing. And this is the problem. You know, I am not anti-vaccine. People have referred to me as a vaccine zealot in the past because I've written uh, prolifically and spoken uh, about the importance of vaccinations. But vaccine manufacture is very, very complicated. It takes six to eight years at a minimum for most vaccines to come to market if they ever make it, because these are the sorts of things that you need to get sorted out in the vigorous testing phase well prior to them being launched on the public. Right. Now we're still seeing numbers that more people that that just in the VARES, which is a complicated, that's the the, the, the virus. Wait a minute. Let me that, get vaccine right. adverse Thank vaccine ad, it's vaccine adverse event reporting system. Thank you. I know some people who've tried to get on it. They say it's quite complicated. So yes. what that tells me is the, the number of people who are actually listed on there is tiny compared to how many people have been affected. But if you look at the VAERS numbers, the numbers of people who've died from this or they believe have died from this is more than have died from every other vaccine ever, correct? That That's correct. The VAERS system has been around for 22 years. It's antiquated. Uh, it, it, um, it's really, really outdated. Um, it, but it captures, as you said, a fraction of the actual adverse events. And this has been a problem well before uh, COVID. Uh, Harvard did a study years ago before COVID, and it, it they predicted that VAERS actually capture somewhere between one and 10% of actual wow. adverse events. Um, it, wow. it is very, very difficult. All that said, you rightly point out the number of deaths attributed to the COVID vaccines is more than all other vaccines combined over 22 years. Mm. So in, in a year's time, we've had more deaths attributed to one vaccine than every other vaccine that we have over more than two decades. It's unbelievable. I, I mean, it, it truly yeah. is. 
you know, if if it were anything else, they'd have pulled it off the market. But they're not going to do oh. that because there's a political agenda behind. Oh it. yeah, I mean, the swine flu vaccine back in 1976 was pulled from the market at when we reached 25 total possible attributable deaths. 25. They wow. pulled it off the market. Okay. And said, no, this is, and really what it comes down to, it's always back Heidi to that risk benefit calculation. Um, we are not talking about smallpox. We are not talking about something where people were dropping like flies. Everybody who got, you know, a particular thing was, was likely to die. And therefore we'd say, okay, well, the vaccines haven't been fully vetted, but you know, it's worth it because if you get this disease, you're going to die. I mean, the reality is the, that most people had a very, very mild reaction to COVID. The survivability still is 99.8% overall. Mm -hmm. We still, we knew from the very beginning who the high risk folks were. It was largely the elderly. Uh, it was almost entirely people over the age of 75. And it was people with a very well-known set of comorbidities. We knew that healthy people, young people, and when I say young, I use a, I mean, under the age of 50, uh, healthy people were at really a de minimis risk from this. So the idea that you're foisting these vaccines that have not been fully tested, and anyone who tells you otherwise, simply ask them, say, great, I, I didn't realize they'd been well tested. Show me the 24, 36, 48 month safety data. Right, right. It doesn't exist That's for right. obvious reasons. These yeah. vaccines weren't around that long ago. Yeah, it's 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 really frightening. And then you you know you see the if you look at the numbers, what is it? Well, a million people have died in America. That's the most recent number, some somewhere thereabouts. And even if that's true, and I'm not even sure that's a, a true number because we know the hospitals were incentivized to save everybody at COVID, right? So we know that. And then you take out the people who could have been saved with early COVID care, which we'll get to your website and all the information about that. You take that number out, and how many really people really died? Is even even with their one million number. It's less than 1% of the American population, and yet the, the fear has been so ridiculously out of proportion. Right. Well, the, well, the mortality rate that's being reported from COVID is probably off by 100% uh, wow. at a minimum. In other words, ha I would say half at best actually died, quote, from COVID, not mm -hmm. with COVID. Uh, as you know, we've talked about this before, the reporting hospitals were incentivized to code everything as a COVID admission and everything as a COVID death if somebody passed away because they received a lot of money, you know, $14,000 more for every COVID admission and almost $40,000 more if it was a COVID death. So you ended up with people who were admitted for an appendicitis who incidentally tested positive for COVID, and that was listed as a COVID admission. Yet people who had a gunshot wound to the chest who died, who incidentally had a positive COVID test, and that was called a COVID death. And I'm not exaggerating, this is the reality. Then yeah. on top of it, you point out, because we were real, it was so hard to treat people. They absolutely forbid us from using the medications that we knew worked, uh, despite the fact that many of us continued to do it anyway. Uh, Dr. Peter McCullough estimates that 85% of the actual deaths from COVID could have been prevented had we had ready, easy access to medications like hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, inhaled steroids, and things of that sort.
It's unbelievable. And, you know, we're still going through this. Here we are two years out. I had COVID two years ago this month. I know you've had COVID too. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing that it's still going on. I got to tell you a story. Some friends of mine drove down from Vegas down to Downey, California the other day because their father, her father was dying with her her father-in-law. They get down there. They won't let them in because they're not vaccinated. Okay. And then it gets worse. Then finally they threw up such a stink that they allowed the son, my friend's husband to go in and have five minutes with his father. Now they were masked. They made him, you know, do the disinfectant on their hands. And if masks work, what are we worried about? Right? So he goes into his father-in-law's room. He's holding his dying father-in-law's hand and the security guard. There's no, we don't have any problems in California. We don't have people getting murdered in the hospitals. We don't have any disruptions in the lobby. They've got a security guard with a stopwatch up there in ICU who comes in the room and says to my friend while he's holding his dying father's hand, time's up. I mean, that's where oh, we are. Lord. No, no, it, it is truly insanity. Uh, it, this is the definition of tyranny. And I'm mm -hmm. as disappointed as anything in my own colleagues. The medical industry has allowed this to happen. Physicians in, in general, with the exception of the handful of us who have been willing to speak out and not accept this ridiculousness, uh, physicians have really been complicit. And certainly the, the medical colleges, the American College of Physicians, the American College of Surgeons, the American, you know, whichever one you want to say, whichever medical board you're associated with, they have been complicit. So it's not just the FDA, the CDC, the NIH, the WHO, uh, and various and sundry politicians and governors. Um, it's, it's my own colleagues who have bought into this. I say to people all the time when I run into them at the grocery store, you know, wearing a mask, I say, what are you talking about? You know, I sat next to you in virology <laughs> class. Right. You know, this is, you know, you know, this is a bunch of, you right. know what. How do um, they explain themselves? Are they just scared to lose their jobs? Is that because they know better? You And that's got to be the right. most frustrating thing for you as a doctor. They know better. You know, they do. Yes. So it, they fall into a couple groups. Some will say, yes, I know better, but I can't afford to lose my job. Um, mm -hmm. I need to pay my mortgage. You know, I'm a sole breadwinner, whatever mm -hmm. it is. And the other 50% interestingly say, well, but this is different. This is, they, this is because they know that, that the vaccines are safe. And I say, oh, really, God. how do they know that? You know, would you ever give a medication of any sort, a therapy of any sort? I ask them this. Would you ever give a medication chemotherapy, an antibiotic, whatever it is, you know, antihypertensive medication to somebody, to a patient of yours who was in a group on whom it had never been tested, right. a pregnant person, you know, would you ever do that? And you know, you wouldn't, we don't do that. We wait until whatever the treatment or medication is, has been tested, you know, tested on kids, tested on people with underlying autoimmune diseases, tested on pregnant women, lactating women, whatever, in a small study and get the data, get some idea about the safety. Then on top of it, you add in this whole issue with the vaccines not being effective. We were told, you will remember when they rolled these things out, we were told 97%, this one's 98% effective, this one's 96% yeah. effective, until all of a sudden it was less than 50% effective, so you needed a second shot, that that's gonna do it. Then that second shot, wasn't effective. So you needed a booster. The last study by Pfizer shows that the efficacy of the vaccines is indistinguishable from zero after three months. Wow. wow. So what are you going to do? Get, I mean, how, many, how many boosters are you going to take? 
Yeah, well, well, Bill Gates has been quoted as saying, and I've seen him on video saying he wants to get it every six months. I mean, that's what he'd like to see people do it if we're yeah. up to him. I mean, it's yeah. it's crazy. So speaking of pregnant women, what are you hearing about miscarriages? I've, I've heard some really disturbing oh. things. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? Well, and I predict, predicted this, Heidi, from the very beginning, um, unfortunately. And let me, let me stop you there for a second, because you predicted it from the beginning because of the problems with, with the blood, correct? With, with the placenta, with the placenta okay. because there is a, there is a protein um, on the outside of the, that's part of the spike protein. There's a protein there that's part of the spike that is also part of the placenta and is mm. required for the placenta to develop and to attach. So my concern was if you give people a vaccine that causes them to create spike proteins, with the, then the whole reason you're doing that is because you are trying to cause them to produce antibodies to attack that spike protein. Uh oh. So right. I said, if you get a antibodies to attack the synctin protein on the spike, what makes you think that those antibodies won't attack a developing placenta? Right. And it does. And it causes miscarriages. And there's no question about it. Whether or not they are willing to publish that, I cannot say. But the data are clear. We are seeing a massive number of spontaneous miscarriages, spontaneous abortions, miscarriages, and people who are having new onset fertility issues. That was reported. That was part of the data dump from the military, from DMED, the Defense Military Epidemiology Database, DMED showed a massive increase in people coming in, females coming in uh, for fertility issues following vaccination. So I, my concern was that there's because of that uh, protein that's so similar that we were going to see an attack on developing placentas. That's crazy. Now, are they having problems getting pregnant? You say they're yes. staying pregnant. Yes. So even getting pregnant, oh, they're having problems. Yes. Now, why would they be having problems getting pregnant? Same problem with the placenta. That, that yes, because it can't isn't correct. You know, to, doesn't give provide a conducive environment for uh, for the baby to develop. Yes, it just never attaches. You know, okay. the placenta. In order for a placenta to to form and attach, so you know. Yeah. So, so these women are having trouble getting pregnant. And I'm guessing, I mean, again, a uh, big study hasn't been done yet, but I'm guessing that it's all going to fundamentally come down to that, um, to a, an immune attack on a protein of the placenta. Unbelievable. Now talk to me about sex, because I now, another thing I've read, that apparently if you have sex with somebody who had the <laughs> shot and you haven't, I mean, have you heard anything about that, that that could potentially be something that could cause you problems? You know, there's crazy. All, I've just, I've just read some things about No, that. there's a lot of talk about this, this, this shedding, this spike protein shedding mm -hmm. of people who've been vaccinated to people who haven't been uh, vaccinated. Um, I am on the fence on. I've, I, there are a lot of people talking about it. Um, I'm reading all the studies and reading all the reports. Um, I think it's a lot of um, much ado about nothing. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not seeing compelling evidence. I'm not saying that they, I might ultimately, not, you know, see a study that's a, that really changes my mind. And I'm the first person. Uh, you know me. If I, I yeah. read all the time. I, and I really get into the weeds on the data. And if I read something that say, wow, I was wrong. This, this mm -hmm. really does appear um, to be, to be happening. Um, but right now I, I'm not seeing that. Yeah. I've heard stories about single men who will rule women out if they think they've been vaccinated. They're starting to catch on and they're worried about <laughs> the women not being able to give them babies. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. So that's going to be it. That's going to be a new, maybe a new, a new click box on Tinder, you know? Right. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of, of clicking boxes, I'm hearing, and I, I've not seen evidence of it yet, but you know, I read the tweets and the various things people put out there, take it for what it's worth. Some people have said that life insurance companies in the future, I'm they, they can't obviously go and retroactively deny you, but in the future, life insurance companies are going to start dinging you if you've had the vax. Have you heard anything about that? Well, people have been talking about that from the very beginning. Um, I think they'd be hard pressed to do that, given that so many people were essentially forced to to get vaccinated, uh, even if they didn't want to, in order to keep their jobs, in order to travel, in order to go to school, whatever it is. Uh, and because, frankly, they would have been following the advice, uh, misguided as it was, but they would have been following the advice of the CDC and the FDA and their own physicians. So I think they'd be hard pressed to do that. Uh, people have worried about it from the beginning in the same way that people have worried, you know, will insurance companies pay for, uh, you know, an ad adverse event for the care if it's an adverse event coming from a, um, from a vaccine. But I think they'd be hard pressed to do any of that since people could say truly, legitimately, I was following the advice of the CDC. And they probably bring a lawsuit or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Back a few, you know, six, seven months ago, we were hearing that insurance companies were going to start punishing people who who had not had the vax. And now we're hearing they might punish people who do have the vax and you, know, you can't keep up with all the news. Well, what I, what I think is more alarming, frankly, is that the number of cases I hear every week of physicians who are kicking people out of their practices if they're not vaccinated, uh, sending letters to unvaccinated patients and saying either get vaccinated or I'm not your doctor anymore. You need to find a new. Now, it is not illegal um, to terminate your relationship with a patient uh, as long as it doesn't constitute what we call abandonment, meaning you can't do that in the middle of a course of care. You can't have a patient who's actively ill that you're caring for and all of a sudden say, forget it, I'm not taking care of you anymore. But if you you can certainly send letters and you know get rid of patients uh, for various and sundry reasons, I think it's highly unethical. I think it is immoral. Uh, and I think that it, it's really problematic. Our job as physicians is to educate uh, to promote and perhaps even, you know, cajole people into certain health habits that we believe are healthful for them. It is not my job, however, to usurp patient autonomy. Um, I, I have patients, you know, the vast majority of my patients in my entire career, I'm a trauma physician. Uh, we're, we're driving, you know, drinking while driving, oh, we're right. using drugs, had multiple sexual partners, uh, mm -hmm. were obese, didn't exercise, ate a horrible diet. Um, I mean, unfortunately, uh, it's my job to try to educate them to do something that's better and will enhance their quality of life. But it is not my job to say, if you don't do these things, I'm not going to care for you. Uh, and I'm hearing more and more stories of patients who have been essentially dismissed from their from their primary care physician because they did not get vaccinated. And it seems so silly too. It doesn't make any sense because we all know that the, the so-called vaccine doesn't prevent people from getting COVID. The two people that I know right. who got COVID in the last two weeks, two of them, both of them never had it before. Both of them are vaxxed. Now they have COVID. They're not very sick. Like most people were never very sick, but now they have COVID. Oh, the data are, are overwhelming that you having been four times vaccinated, I meaning getting the first two shots of the series and then two boosters puts you at much 
higher risk for contracting COVID. Vaccinated people, and the more vaccinated you are, the higher risk you have of contracting COVID. Fortunately, as you said, people's symptoms are relatively mild. That's largely because the virus has done precisely what we would have expected it to do. It has mutated into a form that is more contagious, but less virulent, less severe, causes very mild symptoms. But still, the more vaccinated you are, the more likely you are to test positive. Right. And you've been telling me this for two years, too, educating me yep. about viruses and how they, they just they tend to be more virulent, less virulent and they just tend to morph. Uh, so it's, it's nuts. Another concern that you and I have talked about before is the blood supply from the standpoint of uh, the doctor in Alabama who was an embalmer. And he was releasing information about how he was seeing these people come to his table, obviously deceased who had these really strange blood clots. And the only person he saw, now not everybody who had had the, the shot had this, but and, and correct me if I'm wrong about any of this, but the only person he saw who hadn't had the shot, who had these crazy blood clots, had been given a blood transfusion. Correct. That, Dr. Victory, is terrifying to people like me who've not had the vax on purpose. That's scary. Talk a little bit about that. No, and, and I've been concerned about this from the beginning because what we don't know, the problem with um, these vaccines is that we don't know. In fact, the manufacturers don't know how long you will continue to produce the spike protein after you get vaccinated. We know when you catch COVID, people say, well, if that's happening from the vaccines, why aren't all these same horrible things happening to everybody who gets COVID? Well, when you get COVID, when you get the virus, your body, the healthy immune system attacks it. And within a matter of days, you render that virus you know, essentially harmless, incapable of reproducing, incapable of being transmitted to others. So you wipe out the spike proteins. There are no spike, if there's no virus, there's no more spike proteins. When you get the vaccine, on the other hand, you are injecting your body, not with the virus, but with the genetic map, the roadmap, the instruction manual saying, start cranking out these spike proteins. And the problem is there's no off switch. Mm. There's no, you know, two, three, we, it's a matter, it could be months, could be years. We don't know how long you will produce them. So when it comes to the blood supply, when people have donated blood, if they have been vaccinated, we don't know what the level of spike proteins is that's floating around in that blood, that unit of blood that they just donated. They went in to get their cup of coffee and a donut, gave a pint of blood, you know, put their arm out, gave a pint of blood. It sits around. We don't, you know, then you come in with from your car accident. And fortunately, you know, we have this active blood bank. So you need blood. You get a unit of blood from somebody who's been vaccinated. You may have just injected yourself with a, you know, a unit of blood that is chock full of these toxic spike proteins. That's horrifying. That's just yeah. horrifying to me. And now, and you know, and I know, look how long it took them to actually try to clean up the blood supply after HIV. Okay. Cause right. it's political when it's political, right. they don't want to do it. So talk to me about that. Is there any attempts? Is anybody admitting this? Is anybody going to try to clean up the blood supply or warn people? I'm sure they're not right at this point. No, they are not talking about it. And it's interesting because early on in the pandemic, the Red Cross was one of the quickest ways to find out if you had antibodies. 
because the Red Cross was actually testing people's blood when they donated it to see if they had COVID antibodies. They stopped doing that after about the first six or eight months. Um, so if they aren't testing for that, they aren't even, as far as I know, uh, keeping track of whether or not a particular unit of blood is from someone who's been vaccinated, which vaccine, how many vaccines, how many Ooh. boosters. Um, yeah. So I do find it really worrisome. The only advice I can give to people is that if you are going to be having an elective procedure, you know, most of the time, unfortunately, that people end up getting a blood transfusion, it's something that wasn't planned. It's generally trauma. You. It wasn't planned. Yeah, exactly. It was, you know, that, be that long. Said, you know, a hundred percent of my patients did not know they were going to see me in the, you know, when they got up in the morning. Um, it'd be, so most of the time that you get a blood transfusion, you know, it's because of trauma. But I do tell people if you're going in for, say, for example, you've made, uh, you've scheduled a surgery to have a valve replacement in your heart or to have a, uh, an, an aneurysm of your aorta repaired, or to have you know something where it is certainly possible that you could end up needing a unit or two of blood um, in during surgery or after surgery, then you can go ahead of time, weeks ahead, you'd have to do it at least six weeks ahead, but you can go and bank your own blood. In other words, go to the hospital and say, I'm having surgery to have this done on you know July 18th, and I'd like to, to donate a unit of blood for myself in case I need it. And then if you don't need it, it can be uh, subsequently given to somebody else. You'll um, be certain that you will get your blood. I mean, you hear about these things that happen at the, at the fertility clinics. It makes me nervous. I got to tell you, we have cases where people get given the wrong baby, you know, go and leave in the hospital. So uh, as I said, I've gotten, I've gotten so disgusted, frankly, with quality control and what's happening uh, in our healthcare system. I, I can't say with, with absolute certainty. Um, but I do think that this issue with the, uh, the security of our blood supply is something that needs to have further scrutiny. No question. All right. Now, what is something else I saw this week? Uh, and take it for what it's worth. Once again, that's why you're here, the expert. Some people are saying that an inordinate number of people who are vaccine injured who had certain batches of the vaccine. Have, have you heard about that? Oh, there's no question. In fact, if you go to uh, howbadismybatch.com, okay. you can actually put in the number, your serial number of your vaccine and wow. see how many adverse events were associated with that vaccine. Yes, it appears wow. that it's very strange that about 80% of the severe adverse events were associated with about 15% of the batches. So mm -hmm. yes, it's very, and now the question uh, is, was that purposeful? Um, oh. you know, was that, did they somehow know that there were different batches and they're trying to see, you know, something they're actually doing their own study that we don't know about saying, you know, which ones point. were, or was this random? It, it's hard to imagine how, how this happened, but yes, that is, that's been verified. No one has come up with a, a good explanation for what happened, but how bad is my match.com okay. um, gives some interesting data. It's unbelievable. Now you were telling me a story before we started today about a guy, you know, who got Guillain-Barre. Talk a little bit about that. Not everybody knows what that is. So kind of explain that. Tell us the story. Cause this is important. A friend of mine's mother just would put off getting the vax, finally got the shot for COVID. Then she went and got a shot for um, uh, shingles the other day. And now she's having trouble even walking. You know, you know the story on that one, right? Or my yeah. daughter said, look, I told you not to get the shot. Another whole story. Yeah. But talk to me about the guy who got Guillain-Barre. 
Well, Guillain-Barre, I'll tell you, is a terrifying neurologic uh, syndrome where you develop uh, a number of neurologic symptoms, sometimes pain, but uh, always weakness and some element of paralysis. It can be mild where people just have tingling and weakness in their hands and, and legs, or it can be profound where people are become so overwhelmingly paralyzed that they actually need to be put on a ventilator. In other words, the diaphragm oh, wow. stops working and you can't breathe. Uh, it can happen over a matter of hours or, or days. It's generally associated with a bad viral infection, generally occurs after a bad virus. Uh, the good news is about 80% of people ultimately recover, but 10 to 20% are left with ongoing weakness and some uh, clearly die from it because they never regain their function. Um, I saw and spoke with on Wednesday this week, a young, previously healthy guy, late 20s, who's an x-ray tech at my local hospital, uh, who told me, I saw him, I hadn't seen him in a while, and he said, I just got back to work this week. I had Guillain-Barre. I said, oh my gosh, I didn't know. Had you been ill? Did you have, because he's, he'd been out six months um, with Guillain-Barre. And he said, no, I got a J&J, &J, got the J&J &J vaccine and that I didn't want, and eight days later was paralyzed in the ICU. Um, and he said, he told me the story that the hospital, as I well know, it was forcing people to either get vaccinated or lose your job. Unfortunately, his wife it was also uh, employed at that same hospital as an ultrasound tech. So they both needed to make a decision. They chose to protect her because they hadn't started a family yet and they didn't want her to get vaccinated. So she chose to be terminated from her job as an ultrasound tech. He, unfortunately, they needed somebody to make earn a living to pay their mortgage. So he agreed to get the vaccine, knew he didn't need it. He'd already had and recovered from COVID on top of it. But the, you know, the week before he was due to be terminated, if he didn't get it, he said, okay, I'll do J&J. &J, and uh, eight days later was paralyzed in the ICU. Um, and I hear these stories every single day. Um, and again, I'm not anti-vaccine. What I am is pro-safety and pro-data. Here's a guy, 28-year-old, previously healthy guy who'd already had and recovered from COVID. He didn't need a vaccine for COVID, okay? Mm -hmm. Frankly, even if he hadn't had COVID, he didn't need a vaccine. He's 28 and healthy, no underlying health conditions. Uh, you know, he, he would have been just fine. Uh, so, and, and the vaccine certainly didn't, you know, doesn't prevent you from getting COVID, doesn't prevent you from spreading COVID if you do get it. So how they could, and, and then to make matters worse, he is being threatened to not speak about the, the cause of his Guillain-Barre. He said that when people ask him, he's supposed to tell them, we don't know what caused it. Mm-hmm. How Isn't horrible it, is that? It is horrible. And every time you turn around, there's another story about somebody very young just dropping dead. I mean, right. mostly famous people that I hear about. Obviously, you hear about a lot of other people because of uh, the position that you're in. And you don't hear any follow-up. The media's not asking. Nobody's no. curious. It used to be if somebody 30 years old died, you go, oh, why'd that happen? Because we're all putting ourselves in that position saying, well, what happened? Or someone our right. age, someone maybe in their 50s or something, drops dead. And we're kind of curious as to why they just suddenly died. Now nobody asks. Nobody follows up on any of this anymore. No. And, and the, uh, the FDA is meeting this coming week, June 15th. The FDA Advisory Committee is meeting um, to give their opinion on whether or not an EUA, an emergency use authorization, should be granted for the vaccines 
to be given to six-month-olds to four-year-olds. So they already have the EUA uh, for kids five and older. Now they want to go down to between six months and four years. They are going to give their opinion, their advice about whether or not this uh, should get an EUA. Uh, It's absolutely unconscionable. We've known from the very beginning that the risk uh, that children have from COVID is so de minimis as to be really indistinguishable from zero. Um, They simply, not the kids can't get it. We know that, frankly, uh, within the first year, probably 70% of kids had already had and recovered from COVID, giving them natural immunity. Uh, They simply did not become significantly ill. Most of them were asymptomatic or had very, very mild symptoms. So the idea that is just terrifying to me that they are going to likely uh, approve an emergency use. We you know, we aren't in an emergency anymore, people, for starters. Uh, right. The pandemic's been over for a long time, uh, but don't let that stop them. Mm-hmm. Um, they are likely to approve this for emergency use in young, young kids. And I think it's tragic. It's terrible. And there's so many, you know, people still getting it. and People are still getting COVID, but nobody seems to be getting the serious right. cases. You said it's never been as serious as they tried to make it sound. It's never been as deadly as they tried. It was infectious, but it wasn't deadly like they tried to make it sound. And yet they can t- they won't give this up. They're like dogs with bones. They are not giving this up till they can try to get more and more jabs in people. It's like Bill Gates just can't understand why everybody doesn't want to get three or four or five jabs or one every six months. Well, that, there's absolutely that component of it about the vaccines. Then there's this whole issue of them doubling back. The state of California is reinstituting mask mandates. Um, it's absolute insanity. There's not a shred of credible scientific evidence that masks ever worked to stop the spread of respiratory viruses, let alone silly things like social distancing. Uh, we knew from the beginning that the lockdown would cause far more harm than good. And lo and behold, it did. Um, I believe, frankly, Heidi, that they need to keep the fear factor going, however, because we are moving into one of the most critical elections uh, in our history. And the only way they will be able to pull out the wait for it, it's not safe to go to the polls, we need mail-in ballots, uh, will be if they can say, oh no, it's fall, it's September, October, and and COVID cases are on Yes, COVID cases are on the rise and you better stay home and falsify your ballot. Absolutely true. And speaking of things people can catch, I'm terrified about monkeypox. Should I run out and get a, <laughs> a vaccine? I mean, I, I had, you know, I didn't have monkeypox. I got to tell you, I did not have monkeypox on my bingo card for 2022, doctor. Yeah, I did yeah. That was that. That was the wild card. Um, talk about insanity! You know, <laughs> monkeypox has been around for some decades. We've had uh, small outbreaks of it, largely in uh, in sub-Saharan Africa and other places, uh, in third world countries over over the last decades. Uh, we had a handful of cases of it, um, largely relatively mild. It is spread only by direct physical contact, largely between uh, men having sex with other men. Um, Now, I'm not saying that's the only way you can catch it, but the vast, vast majority of the cases have been transmitted that way. Um, It is something that is absolutely shouldn't even be on the radar. There are a lot of, you know, I'm here, I hate to break it to you. There are a lot of viruses out there. Um, There are a lot of pathogens. We used to just live with them and take normal, you know, precautions. What we aren't seeing is an outbreak of smallpox uh, and monkeypox uh, poses zero risk um, to the vast majority. 
I, I almost laughed when I first heard about that. I thought, my gosh, they they can't think of anything else. Let me mention your website yeah. really quickly, folks. It's earlycovidcare.org. I'll put that in the description, earlycovidcare.org. You, Dr. McCullough, a lot of other great doctors have gotten together, created this website. You're not trying to make money off it. You're trying to give people great information. Talk to me about your website, earlycovidcare.org. Yes, there, there's no um, money component to it. You couldn't give me money if you wanted to. Uh, it simply is a repository um, for, number one, a huge resource of articles. If you are looking for and need um, a backup, the data, the studies, for example, that um, really about the efficacy of masks or the lack thereof, uh, about the importance of natural immunity and the proof that natural immunity is enough, um, about the actual safety and efficacy of the vaccines. We have a huge library of articles there. All of the protocols, the treatment protocols are there for treating not only acute COVID, but also to treat and help those people who have what they are calling long COVID, we used to call post-viral syndrome. Um, so there's those resources. There also are resources for telemedicine sites. If you need to talk with a physician, we have a whole list of telemedicine sites where you can go um, and actually log on, request a face-to-face -face visit with a physician who is very knowledgeable on the care and treatment of COVID. So there are a lot of good resources there. Uh, and as you said, it's myself and Dr. McCullough, Dr. Harvey Reich, Paul Alexander, a lot of really dedicated physicians who have uh, been in the trench with me for the, from the very beginning. God bless you. And Dr. All of you guys, you, you know, you have been a voice of reason. You and I've talked many times over the last two years. I always appreciate you sharing your time with me and my audience and the information that they need that is so hard to come by with all the garbage that's out there and the, the nightly news telling people, you know, pushing one narrative for the last two years and not yep. giving any kind of perspective on anything at all and shutting down anybody like you who tries to talk. I'm not even going to try to put this on, on YouTube because I'll shut it down, but I'll put it on Vimeo and I'll put it on my website. And right now we're live on the Facebook page. So people will see this. They can share this. They can spread this. We'll just have to go around YouTube because, you know, we don't want to trigger them. Dr. <laughs> just, you know, much love, much respect. And thank you for your time as always. Thanks for the invitation, Heidi. I know some people don't like to hear these kinds of things, and I don't care. I'm not going to back down. I think it's important. I see talk show hosts as modern-day town criers, and I think we have a responsibility to talk about what we see as something that's being, uh, you know, misinterpreted for, for sure. <laughs> uh, don't forget, you can find me Sunday nights, 97.1 FM Talk in St. Louis, and HeidiHarris.com is the website where I put all these things, my videos, my podcasts, all these things up there. Um, every single day. So please check them out and stories and things like that. Then I'm not going to be silenced. How about that? Don't forget you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scottwell. Mm -hmm.